following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday. It is Wednesday, August 19th, 2020, season 16, episode number 15. Welcome to another edition of The Break. We are, I am actually, live from my home. This is the virtual SWBC Mortgage Studios, joined by Nick Eatman, Amber Garcia, Dave Helm, and they're all in their homes as well. And uh, I'm sorry, Nick, you're at the office, actually, uh, on a day when the players are not at the office. Nick still is at the office. It tells you a lot about his work ethic. We appreciate you, Nick. Uh, we're going to talk some Cowboys football with you guys today, and we appreciate you guys taking some time out of your day to join us for that. And we're going to start with, I think, what has been probably the biggest news coming out of Cowboys camp since camp began. Joe McCoy had a very, very busy last few days. On Monday, he uh, tore his quad, uh, or the, the ligament to his quad, uh, in practice on Monday. Then on Tuesday, he had surgery, and then Tuesday afternoon, he's waved injured. Nick, I'll start with you. You, you, you broke the story for us. Tell me why he was waved, because I know a lot of fans were sitting there looking at that and thinking, wow, this is this pretty, that seems pretty, pretty, mean, I guess for lack of a better way to put it, but why was he waived? Well, I think you have to go back all the way to when he was signed. When he was signed, they put a waiver into his, uh, under the contract to say that if something happens with the right quad, we can get out of this contract. And first patent practice, something really severe happens with the right quad. So some, something is weird there. I don't, I don't ever remember seeing an injury waiver on a specific body part like that I guess you know coming back from knee injuries or whatever but we didn't think that this was going to be something that you would they would be watching and then the you know 10 minutes after the pads come on that happens so they exercise their right to do that they put it in there for a reason it saves them about three and a half million to four million over the next couple of years so if you if you know you have a chance to save some money and then it happens that way you're going to save it so that that's I think what happens. Yeah, it's interesting yeah, it's that interesting that would be in the contract, contract with specific with language specific even, language even. Uh, about it. Um, that makes you makes you think, or at least makes me think, that there was uh, some concern from the standpoint of the Cowboys, and I guess an acknowledgement uh, on the part of of the representatives of Gerald McCoy that this was something that maybe could happen. I don't know if it was a previous injury or just something that they noticed in a physical, but but obviously something uh, there for them to put that in the contract. Uh, Dave and Amber, talk a little bit about uh, about kind of how the Cowboys move from here. Let's start with you, Dave. Talk to me about the replacement. What what could the Cowboys do at this point to replace production that they thought they were going to be getting a guy who is a proven veteran in that position, a three technique, and 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 even defensive end when they move to a three four. Talk to me about how they can maybe replace him. You know, it's kind of funny to me that like, and I mean, it's a fair question. I'm not knocking you, but like, that's the talking point. Is like. Oh my God, whatever will they do is if they didn't spend the last two drafts addressing the position. And that just goes to show how much people don't trust what they've done. Tristan Hill's a top 60 draft pick. Neville Gallimore's a top 100 draft pick. 99% of the time, you look at that and say, all right, they're covered pretty well. But uh, nobody has forgotten how disappointing Tristan's rookie season was, nor should they. 
Uh, so I, I don't blame people if they don't feel great about it, but you have two highly talented young players that can step into that. And when you had Gerald, it was a luxury. You know, you're like, well, whatever they can give us is great. And that luxury is now gone. Um, one of those guys has to step up. So I, I look at, you know, the next two or so weeks as a big time audition for both of those guys. And if they're not up to it, maybe you try to go hunt around for a veteran. But I think for the time being, you just throw those guys in the fire and see what they can do. You know, I would agree with you, Dave, on, on the point of, of you would normally think a second and third round pick would be natural fits there, that you would just lean on them. But it wasn't like they signed they Gerald signed McCoy Jazz to a one-year Green. deal. I'm sorry? sorry. What did I say? Jazz Green. <laughs> no, I get that. You're right. You're right. Top 100 pick, I just think Jazz Green. But that also goes to my point. Like, they didn't go out and sign Gerald McCoy to a, th- to a one-year deal. They signed him to a three-year deal, which suggests to me that they wanted him here for the next several years, and they wanted those guys in a rotation. They thought there was a role for Gerald McCoy, Gerald McCoy in addition to what those other guys could possibly bring. And, and so that's where I wonder, you know, do they or should they consider maybe going out and looking for a veteran replacement or just stick with what they have because there isn't really much out there right now? I mean, first of all, yeah, in in terms of a pass rushing defensive tackle, there ain't a lot there for you. I know, you know, a lot of, a lot of people are going to bring up Snacks Harrison, and I don't like – Not the same. I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea, but Snacks' whole – like, Snacks is Dontari Poe. They're the same type of player. They are the gigantic run-stuffing, space-eating defensive tackle. Rushing the passer isn't really their bag. I think Snacks would make this team better, but it's also – that gives you three, you know, one-technique, early-down, run-stopping, non-pass-rushing tackles to go with Poe and Antoine Woods. And if you can only keep nine or ten – at what point does that become superfluous? Uh, because in terms of guys that can rush the passer, you have Gallimore or Tristan Hill. We know Tyrone Crawford can do a little bit of it. I think Alden Smith and Everson Griffin can both kick inside in a pinch. So it, 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 it doesn't seem necessary right now after one injury. I mean, injuries happen all the time. Um, so, like I said, I think your best bet right now until they prove they're not capable of doing it is to hope that the young guys can step up. So Amber, well, the with all problem that- is the problem with that, Dave. It's like how how do you get a chance to actually really truly prove that without preseason games? And that that's my thing. Like if I think they should be looking around right now and see who else they can possibly bring in here just to add extra help. I'm, you you know you tend to forget about the possibility of injuries. At least I know I do until it actually happens, and you're like, oh crap, this happens. Let me look further deep down into the position and you know we know that Dontari Poe he's coming back but now that's in the back of my head at least you know oh he's coming off an injury is he going to be able to hold up what are these younger guys going to be able to do can they show enough during this time without preseason uh, sorry without preseason games so that that's the the biggest thing right now for me is just I'm being so extra critical at this moment just because I know we don't get the chance to see preseason games. Okay, so let's do this. Let's go across the board. I want each of you guys to tell me how big of a loss do you think this is for this Cowboys team as it's currently constructed. Nick, let's start with you. I think it's a big loss, actually, because I think he was supposed to come in and and really help uh, be a locker room guy as well. Uh, So, you know, like you guys are saying, the the backups, uh, you know, they didn't know if they really wanted Antoine Woods. I mean, it was a lot of, took a while to get him to 
I mean, come back in. I guess he wanted a long-term deal. But anyways, I think it's a big loss because I just think that there's so much uncertainty there. There's uncertainty with Poe. Uh, Crawford's not really a, a natural tackle. So until they get somebody else in here, I, I think it is a pretty, pretty big loss. Amber. Well, I just, I just said it. It's huge. I think that the Cowboys are in need, especially this year, because of the circumstances. They are in need of someone who's a veteran guy, who has the experience, who do you you don't need to feel so concerned about whether or not you can plug the guy in and, and it, have that guy be able to perform at the level that you want them to. So I think that the veteran need right now is very high, and they just lost that. Dave. Uh, it's, it is what it is. It's, I mean, I'm not going to try to say it's not a big loss. I, I agree with Nick. I mean, I think what McCoy would have brought to the table from a locker room culture standpoint, I don't think you can underestimate that, especially with, with two young guys like Gallimore and Hill. Uh, fortunately, McCoy said on Instagram last night that he, he's not planning on going anywhere. I mean, he can't go come in the building cause he's not on the team anymore and cause of COVID, but, uh, he's gonna, he's gonna stay mentoring these guys, stay in touch. So that's nice. Um, you know, one defensive tackle is not going to be the difference between whether or not this team is successful. This team's success is almost entirely predicated on how good its offense is. And I absolutely wish Gerald McCoy was on the team, but I'm not changing my preseason projections for them based on that. But we talked about this last week, too, that, you know, adding – Everson Griffin, I mean, that, with D-Law, that's not a whole lot different than what they had last year with Robert Quinn. Uh, maybe Griffin is, is better, but, but, you know, they're about the same. What I thought was going to be different was the push from the inside. And Don Terry Poe can still bring that, but, you know, you were hoping it would be McCoy and, and Poe, and, you know, maybe Crawford gets in there. But, you know, it's, it's – but then again, it's a completely different defense. We're seeing that in practice right now. You can tell that it's not going to be the same defense. They're asking these guys to do different things than what they did last year. Well, Nick, not I will say this. I do think Alden Smith – I do think Alden Smith adds a little bit more to that uh, because, as Dave said a little earlier, I think he can pop down. I think Griffin can pop down. So when you start talking about pass rush situations, third down, you're probably going to have all three of those guys, all three of those pass rushers on the field, maybe Tyrone, Craw- Tyrone Crawford as the fourth. And so I still think you'll get that kind of push up the middle because you got some guys that are really dynamic type players, you hope at least, um, that you can have down there defensive tackle. I'm not a fan of that, though. I'm not. And I could just still see the touchdown Tyler Lockett scored against Seattle. I'm just not a fan of putting D-Law inside or Alden Smith inside. It's just like asking a running back to play receiver. You're, you're not doing what they do best. And so by putting them down, just because they can rush the passer off the edge, doesn't mean they can go in there and beat the Zach Martins of the world in, in the middle. So, uh, you know, some rare – I mean, not everybody's J.J. Watt and J.P.P. that could go and do all that. So, I, I'm just not a big fan of putting outside rushers in the inside like that. I mean, I, I never saw D. Ware do that. But. Yeah, and I, I, I just say – I would say that all three of those guys, in my opinion, are at least what you would call premier pass rushers in the NFL. Maybe they aren't as good at defensive tackle. I do think that their speed, and in particular Alden Smith, I mean, the guy's huge. I think he's, what, 285 or 280, something like that. He's a really big guy to be playing defensive end. So I think sliding him into defensive tackle, I think you get the speed of what he can do on the outside um, that can be disruptive there. But I think he also has that power and that big body that can also manage to be uh, playing a defensive tackle. He's going to be a problem. He's going to be a problem. He's... He's already a finalist for Comeback Player of the Year. 
Now, I don't know if he's going to win it. We'll see what happens. But he's going to be a finalist right now. He's a problem. Tyron Smith will tell you if you if ever talk to the media. He'll tell you. Which, yeah. Uh, that, yeah. Uh, that kind of goes to my point. I mean, I, I'm not trying to convince anybody that it's not a big deal that Gerald McCoy is out. But they got, they got bodies and they have two supposedly very talented young guys. If they can just get something from one of them. It doesn't even have to be both. Just get something from one of those guys, and it'll it'll be okay. It ain't gonna be, you know, it's not gonna be the best defensive line in the league, but it'll be it'll be okay. We'll save actually that conversation for a little. Like we're having some issues with with Derek just real quick. Let's let I'm I don't know where he's going with that I'm next back point. Now. Derek, you back? Oh, he's back. I think I'm back now. I think I'm back Sorry. now. Um, I don't know yeah, where I'm going to go with that next. Maybe, I don't know. No. Well, I guess what I was going to ask you guys was um, we've heard the, we've heard some of the questions uh, that are happened from coach um, as well as some of the players about the fact that that they think that there's going to be uh, some that they may kind of switch between 4-3-3-4. Four, three, three, four. They may do a little bit of both. Uh, there really hasn't been a commitment to one or the other. So that being said, talk to me about where you think this loss may be a potential bigger loss uh, with Gerald McCoy now uh, being waived. Um, when you talk about those other two guys and the other guys that are left on the defensive line, do you think this can affect the Cowboys and maybe push them in one direction or the other 4-3 versus 3-4? Let's start with you, Amber. This, why are we still talking about this? I, don't, I, I get so upset at this subject. Uh, I mean, I, honestly, these guys, and, and you guys sound so uh, comfortable, I guess, and even the way that Dave was speaking of how you, uh, he feels with what they got right now and, and the possibility of, of, of these other guys being able to step up. But to me, I'm at a point where I'm like, I'm done trying to convince myself at the beginning of the year. Now I'm like, you need to show it to me. You need to make it happen. I don't care what they do, whether it's a 3-4, 4-3. They're going to figure out with the guys that they currently have and, and see what they can actually do and make it work. I think that the the size matters a lot. For <laughs> sorry, I, I'm, I'm getting carried away with other things. I'm sorry. I apologize for the unprofessionalism <laughs> but size matters a lot when it comes down to picking out this position and what you're gonna uh, do there but don't ask me about three four or four three don't care all right i Dave. respect that i want to you know you know mike mccarthy if you're watching this don't don't get mad at me i'm not trying to give your game away but i want to i want to point something out i guess which is that what we've seen to this point mainly is Alden Smith and Demarcus Lawrence rushing the passer from a two-point stance. Not necessarily a 3-4, because it's a four-man front still. Like, there's still there's a one technique and a three technique in there usually when it's happening. It's not this, you know, massive, crazy change to a 3-4 front with a true nose tackle, a zero technique. For that matter... Dontari Poe, the guy who fits that role the best, has not practiced yet. So, obviously, they have the personnel to do that. 
But I don't want to give people the wrong idea that they're running all these different fronts. It's a four-man front. They're just rushing their uh, their ends from a two-point stance. So we, I, you know, it's been different. Don't get me wrong, but it hasn't been this crazy, crazy departure. Um, so, and I, and I think that's going to continue to be the case. I think it's going to be a different presentation of what we're already used to, for the most part, in my opinion. I disagree, though, Dave, because I think it. it it, it's not just a four-man front. I mean, it's really a five-man front when you think of the defensive line. Because I still think of Alden Smith as a defensive lineman and Griffin and, and D-Law and those guys as D-linemen. So when they're both out there standing up, I, I think that's – I mean, if, I don't really call that a four-man front, you know, because – Well, who's the really, fifth guy? Who's the fifth guy? Well, I mean, it's it's – from what we've seen, we, we, we saw – a nose tackle, which will probably be Poe, but we haven't seen that yet. But it was McCoy, and it was it was um, Crawford, and then D. Law and Alden Smith as five. Because you're only seeing two linebackers. But I mean, it's not like they're just playing one thing. I mean, we what Dave saw, I, he saw. I saw some other things. I, there's nickel, there's dime. That's why that's why they don't want us talking about all this stuff. That's why none coach wants that because they're just trying out different things. Yes, there'll be four-man fronts. There'll be three-four looks. There'll be four-three looks. There'll be five-two looks. There'll be all of that. That's what Mike Nolan's known for. Yeah, and I yeah. would suspect I would suspect that there are going to be times when, uh, and this is just kind of the whole idea of, of using a, a three-four versus four-three defense. You can flip to a two-four-five where you're in nickel, where you only have two down linemen and you have four linebackers, and you're considering those two outside guys linebackers at that point right but I get what you're saying Dave it's still it would still be in those kind of scenarios a four-man front look the point is I'm wondering is Gerald McCoy being gone how does that affect their ability to be able to have a three-man front versus a four-man front because obviously you're talking about defensive tackles their roles change quite a bit when you talk about four three versus three four and that's where I'm, I'm a little more trying to get to a you know what you guys think about this can Tristan Hill uh, or or Gallimore stand can they, can they play let's say defensive end in a three four uh, as well as play a three technique in a four three that's where I'm trying to, to figure out where they where you think there's a bigger loss of Gerald McCoy. I, you know I it makes me kind of wonder with this scheme it makes me wonder why they didn't have a lot of interest in bringing back Malik Collins I I, I think he would have been a, a good fit for this but um, you know they know more than me obviously but I I just. I, I'm not really sure how, how the McCoy injury is going to affect everything. I don't know who they've got to replace that spot. I think Tyrone Crawford, though, can somewhat do it, uh, especially if it's kind of a – I've always thought Crawford could play a 3-4 defensive end. So Well, that's why he, he was brought here he a million, billion years ago. Million, so, I mean, yeah, I think Tyrone can do it. Honestly, I think Antoine Woods could probably do it. He's not, not ideal by any – I mean – Antoine Woods is not ideal to play on the defensive line in the NFL, but he makes it work. Um, I think they could both do it. I think, I mean. Hill and Gallimore, they got to have a quick first step. I think they could be able to do that. They're always talking about the flexibility of a lot of these guys out of that whole group in the whole line. Who would be a guy that you, you guys think that they absolutely need to stick to one specific role and don't have that kind of flexibility to be moved around? Oh, yeah. Dark, 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 dark. He's just in one second. Yeah, keep him in the middle. 
Other than a one. Honestly, though, he could probably play three, four, and two if they needed him to. Obviously, you'd prefer he played nose, but but he's probably good. He has played quarterback, so I guess he can move around. He's throwing a touchdown pass. As long as Demarcus and Alden Smith are able to rush off the edge, just do whatever else you got to do to make it work. That's, you know, the other. The other yeah, thing I'm, I'm really I'm wondering, wondering on that on that point, Dave, is like once you get um, Everson Griffin in the mix, I wonder how they look at that. Do they look at this and say, you know, how we talk, we have this conversation a lot about offensive linemen, where you want your best five players out there, even if two of those players could probably play the same position, you kind of fit that one into another position because he's just one of your best five. I wonder if they look at this and they say, you know, Everson Griffin, Alden Smith, and Demarcus Lawrence are three of our top four defensive linemen, how can we get all four of them on the field at the same time as much as possible? And I wonder if that means that one of those three ends up now switching predominantly to another position in order to keep those guys on the field more frequently. I'm not saying it'll happen, I'm just wondering. It kind of goes to my point, and I mean, Griff- Griffin hasn't practiced yet. He just cleared protocol. He just He's barely done anything. He's not practicing. But you got Griffin, Poe, Tank, Alden Smith, Tyrone Crawford, and then two, you know, highly drafted rookies, one of which you would think can contribute. Like, they got bodies and talented bodies at that. So it definitely sucks that McCoy's not out there, but I just, I'm not going to talk myself into thinking it's going to sink their season that he can't play. All right, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, uh, we're going to get into some camp observations. These guys are going to tell you a little bit about some of the stuff. Uh, that they've been noticing at practice, how players are performing. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. It's funny. As we travel places, often we find the places we want to travel aren't really places at all. They're people. They're grandparents, moms, old friends, and new nephews. That's why at American Airlines, we've been using enhanced cleaning measures so you can feel confident every step until you get to them. So, as always, our people can't wait to take you to yours. American Airlines. 
You are why we fly. Back to the break. Welcome back. We're in the second segment of the break. I'm live from the virtual SWBC Morning Studio here in my home. I'm joined by Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, and Amber Garcia. They are all from their homes, except for Nick, who is at the Star. Cowboys are off today. They are not practicing. The players have a day off. They'll be back on the field tomorrow. Uh, so we'll have some more coverage uh, from practice uh, tomorrow and again on Friday um, before they have another off day on Saturday. I think Wednesdays and Saturdays are going to be their off days here throughout these uh, couple weeks of, pra- of uh, training camp. Let's get into some camp observations. Uh, each of us have had an opportunity to watch a few practices, um, get some idea of what we think of players, position groups. I want to start first with the defense because I think, um, at least from my perspective and from what I've seen uh, everyone in the media talking about, including I think you guys as well, everybody's been uh, really impressed with this defense so far. Maybe it's because of maybe lower expectations, uh, or maybe it's because they really have just been performing uh, very well. But I want each of you to kind of, we're going to go around, I want each of you to give me a player or a position group that's really stood out to you on the defensive side of the ball through the first few practices. We're going to start first with you, Dave. I mean, you know, I know we do this every year. I, I can hear people complaining about it because you know, nobody wants to hear how great they look and then watch them suck. But they look pretty good. I mean, we spent the whole first segment on how active the pass rush has been. Uh, they've got, I think they have seven takeaways through four practices. And I mean, that's across a variety of different drills. You know, that's seven on seven, that's team, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not all 11 on 11, but uh, they have six total interceptions through four practices and Anthony Brown forced a fumble. So that's been the emphasis. And through four practices, they're doing it. So that's fun. Amber. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm going to just stick to the guy I chose yesterday for camp stars that the, guy, the guys do on the website on DallasCowboys.com. But my guy would be Francis Bernard. He's a guy that ne- he n- wouldn't never really catch my eye just because he doesn't really have that, that linebacker mold that these other linebackers have. For example, Luke Gifford, he fits that linebacker mold. But this guy, he, he's smaller. He's not as big at the rest, as the rest of the guys, but he he has been able to to do some things on the field. He, he's quick. He's very, very aware of everything that is going on. And another thing that, that really impressed me, which is off the field, when he's on the sideline, I see him constantly just talking to Sean Lee. I don't know what they're talking about, but... You know, I'm sure he's learning something from Sean Lee and asking questions and and just being, you know, not off to the side, just watching. He's being interactive and trying to learn as much as he can. And and he's caught my eyes these first few practices. Nick. I think we can't let her just say that's my guy because you know that I've been like. (laughs) That's your guy. That's why I started smiling. That's That's exactly why I started smiling when she mentioned his name. Go ahead. Uh, It's okay. It's okay. He, you know, he catches your eye with the hair, but then also, no, he's making plays. I'm going to say defensive line with an asterisk because, guys, the offensive tackles have been have been bad. I mean, like Tyron Smith doesn't even pre- play that much. We haven't seen Irving. We haven't seen Lyle Collins, and so it's hard to evaluate anything when it's just like a, you know, they they're just blitzkrieg to the quarterback every single time. It's just it's tough to evaluate everybody on offense. So defensive line look, is looking really good, but I I want to see what they look like with a little bit more uh, competition at, at the offensive tackles. 
All right, let's flip over to the offensive side of the ball. Let's do the exact same thing. Uh, I think the offense is flashed at moments. I think there have been some good moments, some good practices. Uh, but tell me a player or position group that stood out to you the most. We're going to start this time first with Amber. Amber, give me somebody on the offensive side. You know what? I've been trying to keep my eye on, on Blake Jarwin, and he's a guy that he's not super consistent. He's not going to make every play, but I've been paying attention to him even when the ball is not going towards him, when it's not going his way. He's still being able to, to get open, make that push that is needed, and get away from, from the defend, uh, defender. And he's he, I don't know. I think that he if he gets more opportunities, he would be really, really good this year. Nick. Nick. You know, I, I, I'm looking at those backup receivers. I, I know that when you're talking about the first three guys, I mean, we know where, where they're going to be. But then there seems to be a pretty good push there for that fourth and fifth spot, maybe a sixth spot. And, and you know, a Ventel Bryan, who I kind of put as a special teams ace, um, he's actually making some plays there. Cedric Wilson's doing a nice job, um, you know, he, over the middle doing some. And then now I forget his name, but – 17. Dave, help me here. Um, oh, Tevin Jones? He's making Tevin, Tevin Jones. I mean, he's a that guy looks the part. Really big guy. Can move uh, well. I know I'm even leaving out a guy. John Bay Johnson, of course, he's a you know, he's always going to look good in camp. Um, but, you know, well, I, I just, Brown's I just, had I some moments too. Had some moments too. I haven't seen it, but yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> apparently. I, ha- I haven't seen Noah Brown make any plays. Is he making plays? He's making plays, he's getting looks. He's moving around, at least. He's going to be on the Giants practice squad. Y'all don't have to believe me if you don't want to, but he's he's, he's catching balls. He's catching balls. I mean, the one thing we got to remember here is Noah Brown was a pet cat of that previous coaching staff. We don't know that he's walking in the door this year with that same kind of love coming from the coaching staff. Nick's absolutely right. If he doesn't make this team, he'll be in uh, East Rutherford on, like, the absolute next flight. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about the offensive side. Nick, you alluded to. Uh, you don't even want to talk to me. You don't want to. Okay. I'm sorry, okay. Dave. I thought I'd already gone to you, Dave. Give me your give me your offensive guy or position. I mean, honestly, I, no. I'm gonna take this opportunity to be a downer. I mean, we could go. Oh, we could really? Talk, you know, no, I mean, you know the receivers are great. If you follow our coverage at all, you know that Zeke and Pollard are doing a lot of stuff in the running and the passing game. Um. I'm. It makes me nervous. What's going on with the right tackle spot? To be honest with you, I mean Nick already laid it out perfectly. But you know, if Lyle Collins and Cameron Irving weren't hurt so bad that they opened the camp on pup, which if it was really bad, you assume that they would. But they haven't practiced yet. We have. I mean, we haven't seen them do anything competitive, and nobody wants to talk about why. And and, ho- and maybe it's not serious, but it's kind of hard to evaluate what the offense is doing when Dak is theoretically getting killed every other time he drops back. I mean, it's training camp, so you can't hit him. But Demarcus Lawrence probably has eight sacks through two padded practices. Um, I would really like to see one of these experienced right tackles get back into practice, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, What's I, the I, point? I Go ahead, Amber. I was, I was going to ask, what's the point of being so secretive about – whether it's an injury or illness, I, I don't understand why they're being so secretive about it. Because you can. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's my best name. Because you can. Uh, you know, and 
I don't necessarily, you know, it's frustrating for us in the media, but I don't necessarily blame Mike McCarthy. He said it himself. It's like, it's one of the few advantages that he has is, you know, it's a first year staff. So nobody a hundred percent knows what to expect and they don't have to play on TV. So he doesn't have to expose his roster if he doesn't want to. So it's annoying, but if he wants to be super secretive, um, he can do that in these circumstances. And think about it. You could take it even a step further with that. Usually a new head coach, a new coaching staff would get an opportunity to be able to have a few extra training practices uh, during the offseason. They didn't get that this year. So whatever advantages were actually built into uh, the NFL system for new coaches, uh, they, they lost that as well. So really, this is kind of the only, the only advantage they have right now is that nobody knows what the Cowboys are really going to be able to do uh, because there will be no preseason game. So literally, they will walk on the field for the first time against the uh, Los Angeles Rams, and that will be the first time anybody in the NFL will get an idea of what the Cowboys will be trying to do offensively and defensively. So that's an advantage, and they want to try to take advantage of that as much, and I really can't blame them for that. This about the injuries. I mean, this is something, like Dave said, this is something you can do right now, so they're doing it. But I, I wouldn't worry too much about this is going to be the way it is all year because the NFL won't allow that. So right. uh, once we get to a tra- um, get to the regular season, when the injury report, official injury report has to come out, um, now, there's ways around, you know, revealing everything. And I think there's a certain team up northeast that does it better than anybody. But I do think that they'll ha- you'll have to put the specific uh, injury out there. So I'm not too worried about it. If training camp, it's kind of vague, but I think it'll get better as the season goes on. Did you I will say – oh, go ahead, Dave. Right. Go ahead. I just – you know, I will say this is – it's amateur and it's not it it ain't scientific put it that way but I mean Lyle Collins has been at practice every day he's been in uniform uh you know he was doing strength and conditioning rehab with Britt Brown before practice you know not yesterday but the few days before that um wearing his helmet taking part in stuff body language is good so I it doesn't look from a distance like it's this super scary long-term injury but again, I mean, that's not necessarily evidence. It's just kind of my hunch from watching practice. The Cowboys did sound an offensive tackle in Pace Murphy. Did you guys read anything into that, that maybe this is a longer term for one or both of these uh, the guys that are currently here? I just think it means that the guys they have are not doing a good job. I mean, They're it's... tired of it's, Dak running. I think, uh, I think Terrence, uh, Terrence Steele and Wyatt Miller, uh, God, you know, God bless them. I'm not trying to hate, but they must, they must be having nightmares when they go back to their hotel rooms at night because they're having to deal <laughs> with guys like Alden Smith and Tank Lawrence, and that's that's not easy for Lyle Collins, let alone somebody who just got here who's fifth on the depth chart. So, I think they're just trying to throw bodies at it and get through practice. <laughs> Can we get Isaac in there? Can Isaac start making some plays? I can't even pronounce his last name. <laughs> Amber? Alarcón. Alarcón. No, but, you know, and, and people have been asking me about him. He, There's still a lot of growth needed to happen there. He, I mean, we know the transition from when you're not in the NFL, getting to the NFL in that first year, how tough it is. But this guy that they signed, I looked him up, and I'm like, oh, 
no NFL experience, okay, I stopped reading. I'm like, okay, I need someone that has experience doing something so I can feel better in case something does happen to Lyle Collins. We've seen it in the past. Anytime there is a, an injury in the offensive line, it, it, it's costly. You know, it, it's going to cost you a big price. So uh, they need someone that can really help you and feel that you can, what is that called? Uh, the Band-Aid guy? A Band-Aid? Yeah. Uh, not a band-aid. We need an actual gauze that can be wrapped around <laughs> nope. all the way. Not a band-aid a that can start peeling off with sweat during the game. We need something that will wrap all the way around and that they can have, work for you in case of needed. They have that guy. His name's Cam Irving. He's hurt too. <laughs> so. Well, exactly. That's the point. Well, a- AG, some, you're like, you know, I just, I need a, I need a Pro Bowl fourth string tackle. And that's just, that's not how it works, <laughs> my guy. That's not how it works. Well, hopefully those two guys, or at least one of those guys, can get back to practice really soon to at least give those defensive ends a good look in practice, uh, and we'll see how that thing transpires. We're going to go ahead and take our final break a little early here. When we come back, we've got some questions lined up. Amber went on to Twitter and uh, got some questions from you guys, so we'll go through some of those questions, give you guys some answers. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. To the break. Looking for something to change up your dinner routine? Help support local Frisco businesses by choosing one of the Star District restaurants. For information on delivery, takeout, curbside pickup, and dine-in availability, visit thestardistrict.com. Welcome back to the break. We are live. I am uh, at the Virgil SWBC Star Studios at my home. 
Uh, and I've got Nick Eatman at the star. We've got Amber Garcia at her home, Dave Helmet at his home. And it's time for a few questions. Uh, we Twitter, uh, Amber went to Twitter last night, got some questions from you guys. Looked like there were a lot of them flowing in. So let's see how many we can get to, Amber. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you so much to everyone who sent in the questions. To start off, uh, here's the first question. Who else is getting reps as a punt returner besides C.D. Lamb? Cedric Wilson. That's your, your primary suspect so far. Okay. How do you guys make it all about... How do you... Go ahead. Go ahead it, just, it just... It makes sense because Cedric did it last year. You know, I... I was the guy, I said all offseason that I wanted Tony Pollard to get a shot at it, but you have C.D. Lamb now, so I don't care as much about that as I used to. Um, we know Jordan Lewis has done it in the past, but really, for the most part, it's been Cedric and C.D. doing the majority of it. If C.D. turns out to be your primary uh, returner, how do you guys feel about that? Uh, after seeing what he's already been able to do so far at receiver, because I, I think we all watch him at receiver and are very, very impressed with what he's able to do there. How, how concerned are you in putting him in a, in a uh, return role if, if you think they're going to use him as much as we think they will at a uh, wide receiver? I'm not concerned at all. I mean, I, I just think that you got to get the ball in his hands. It's going to be hard to share it on offense with all the guys that they've got. Uh, Zeke running the ball. I, I'm not, I'm not, you got to figure out ways to get dynamic players in there. So um, I, th that doesn't bother me at all. If your third receiver is, is returning punts, that's, that's fine. I'm always the guy that, you know, I don't want good players to play in the preseason, but that's because the preseason's meaningless. Returning punts is not meaningless. Field position is crucial. It's, I mean, it cost the Cowboys like at least two games last year. I want dynamic players with opportunities to touch the ball. So I'm all in on CD returning punts. I love it. Amber? And he said he, he, he likes doing it. So that's a plus when you got a guy that actually likes doing a certain job. All right, moving on to Leighton Vanderish. How's he doing with the whole neck injury so far uh, from the things that we've been able to see at practice? I really he think... He doesn't want to talk about it? So we, no, maybe we shouldn't not. talk about it. He, he doesn't like talking about it because I think he feels like he's moving on. And so he looks pretty good at this point. The fact that he did not start on Pup I thought was a really big sign. So, uh, so far so good. Obviously, you're not, you know, he's not banging in there with the other uh, blockers. But, uh, you know, we'll see when he gets that first couple of hits. But I think for right now, I think it's going pretty good. Yeah, he's full go. Him and Jalen both. I mean, it's, it's practice, but they both look really good. I've, I've been really impressed with both of them so far. Yeah, linebacker and running back are probably the two hardest positions to really evaluate in training camp when you're not actually hitting and tackling. But I will say this, based on what you've already seen, I think both those guys, as you just mentioned, Dave, they look really good. Particularly, I've liked what I've seen from them in, uh, in, in the drills where they've been uh, in coverage. Uh, because I, I did not think and I have not th thought that Jalen Smith necessarily was, was great in coverage. Uh, but I think he's done pretty well here in training camp so far. It'll be interesting to see once uh, they actually start hitting uh, if we see a similar type result from both those guys at linebacker. All right, this guy says that, you know, we're used to talking about the great Dallas Cowboys offensive line, but at this moment he feels that that specific position group is the weakest. How do you guys feel about that? When you look at the whole roster, what position group would you say is the weakest at this point? Oh, I did. I'm, oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. 
I mean, they have it's just unproven. I mean, he might be, might be pretty good. But I mean, Blake might be pretty good. But I think, I think they're the weakest on on offense. The, the offensive line is going to be fine uh, once Lyle gets back in there, I, I believe. But but yeah, I, I do agree with the point that it's not what it used to be. I don't think it's this dominating thing. You can't just keep getting injury for these guys and losing Travis Frederick. It's not the same. But I still think it's pretty good. I still, I mean, until proven uh, otherwise. How? Oh, sorry, sorry, Ag. I, until proven otherwise, it's the secondary. No, go ahead. It's the secondary until I mean they've been they've they're off to a nice start. Like I said, they've got. I think they have four picks. At, the DBs have four picks because Francis Bernard has two of those. So I mean, it's a nice start, but there's there's proven playmaking ability almost everywhere else on this team. But we don't necessarily have that from the defensive backs. Not only that, but let's consider this. Let's slow down a little bit. The offensive line still has two all-pros on it. And and last time I checked, tight ends don't have a single one. Uh, the, the secondary doesn't have a single one. Uh, so I think there are other positions on this team that you look at and you're like, yeah, there, there's a little bit more to prove than this offensive line. I think the offensive line will be fine. Part of the problem right now is just you got injuries at your, at your swing tackle and your right tackle position. That'll work itself out. I think they'll be fine. When you talk about the the secondary and to Dave's point about that whole area, to me right now I I don't know how you really truly get to evaluate this because I feel like every training camp that is a position group that we we notice and guys start standing out. You know, last year we were talking about Jordan Lewis and how well he was doing and everything like that. But then you get into the season and then you start seeing certain players, Cheeto not performing as well as you would want them to or expect them to. So how do you really get to evaluate at this point? I know it's it's hard for us. I know it's hard for the coaching staff and the scouting department, but how do you figure it out? I mean, we we don't. I, I mean, they, they can make their own evaluations. They have the all-22. They can go back and watch, and they have a much better idea of, like, okay, this guy's really coming on, or, you know, kind of reminds me of the Luke Gifford interception in the preseason last year where we're all like, what an amazing play. And the coaches are like, he was so far out of position, it's not even funny, but the quarterback made a bad decision. Um, it's, it's hard. With what we're working with, it's hard. So all I try to do is just say what I see. If you notice, I couch everything I say. I say, it looks like, or I think, which, I mean, I'm just doing the best that I can. But, yeah, every... Every single year, somebody that we love during training camp turns out to be kind of disappointing. So you just, you're just trying to do the best you can and let people know what you see, I guess. You know, I'll, I'll use this phrase. I, uh, one of the guys here in the local media uses it a lot, Jock Taylor. Uh, sports is fluid. And, and I think that's kind of the best way you can put this. Like, just because we talk about a specific player right now and say, oh, he's performing really well. That has absolutely no bearing on how he's going to perform week one or week 16. The, the fact of the matter is you just talk about what you see right now, and, and, we, and the proof will be what are they doing in week one and week two and week three and week four. As they play throughout the season, that will really be the proof. But, you know, it, again, we're just talking about what's happening right now. You cannot, I don't think, and at least what I've seen over the years that I've covered this team, 
you cannot put a ton of stock in what you see in training camp necessarily because there will be guys that, that don't do much in training camp that show up really big when the season gets here. There will be others that look really great in training camp and won't, won't do anything once the season gets here. So, uh, you know, you just talk about what you have right now and, and there's no way to really evaluate the future. You can only evaluate what's happening right now in these practice situations. Now, we, we are limited on certain things that we can talk about from this practices, but based on what we've seen so far, what is something, whether on offense or defense, that has caught your eyes overall that it's different from what we've seen in previous years? Nick? Hmm. Dang, I was hoping somebody else would jump in on that. Like, <laughs> something that's different. Um, I mean, just, I guess just a little bit of drills here and there. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of, like, something that's that's a big deal. I mean, I could just, I could say, oh, red jerseys on the quarterbacks or last names on the back. I mean, but that doesn't matter. Uh, that's just visible changes. Um, I really can't think. You guys have something that, that's like you say, oh, this is completely different than what we've seen in the past? I don't know if it's completely different, but, um, you know, not trying to give Mike's game away, but I just, the running backs are active and they are doing things downfield and on the side of the field and in the middle of the field. And it's just, uh, it's exciting because it was a source of great frustration that they weren't a little more creative with those guys last year. And, you know, uh, we just said what they're doing right now doesn't mean they'll do it when the season starts, but I'm more confident than ever that both Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard will have big and diverse roles in this offense, and that's exciting. Yeah. You know, one thing I, I guess I could say to that is that we've seen more practice with quarterbacks throwing the ball on the run. Like before, you know, sometimes it just happens. They're part of the game. But we've actually seen drills where they are designed to go through things and then throw it. Um, that's – that. That kind of shows to me that you know that may they may try to do that you know more especially with Dak and get him out there and and, and you know having practiced the the fact that he can throw the ball in the run he's always been pretty good at that but you know that's just something that they I think that they're working on. You know you know I'll go back to what Cheeto said earlier in the week in his time with the media and talking about how the defense um, is a lot more um, a lot more dynamic this year they are they're giving a lot more looks pre snap and disguising a lot more things. Um, and that's something, again, he talked about uh, as far as how he likes the fact that they're doing that a little bit more and not relying so much on just, hey, we got better players. They're actually giving their guys a chance by giving them some some schematic help. Um, and so that's something else I think that, that at least from the way he describes it, um, can be a really big boon for this team and, and really maybe help them. I've always been a big proponent of the fact that I think uh, teams should rely more on scheme than just saying, hey, we're going to line up the way we line up and make you adjust to us. Uh, because what happens when you find a team that really is legitimately better? Uh, and then that's, and, and we saw that last year. I think that's part of the reasons why Cowboys didn't play great as far as their win-loss record against really good teams last year. Uh, because they didn't really give their guys a ton of help when it can't, comes to uh, scheming up how they play and disguising certain things and, and throwing you know, different things at teams that they aren't really necessarily expecting. So I'm actually excited to see more of that as the season gets here. Out of the undrafted players, who would be a guy that you feel will make the roster so far? I want to jump in here. Yeah, Nick, and, Nick and Derek, more, more so Nick, just because you've seen more. But, like, 
Tell me if I'm crazy. Doesn't it seem to you like the down the line guys are just not getting as many opportunities as we're used to? Yeah, it, it, this it's is. A, you can tell. You can tell by the way they, the guys that they sign. They they like veteran guys. You know they they're they're trying to throw. You know they don't want a bunch of young guys learning on the run in week one. They want some veteran players. But you're right, Dave. I, you don't see a lot of those guys. Francis Bernard has been one who's played a little bit. But I think we're just saying that because he's made the most of the opportunities. I don't think he's jumping in with, you know, right. with first team reps or anything like that. No, I, I mean, and I don't know this for sure, but my impression from watching these first few practices, remember, we've said it already, they didn't have an off season. That's there's no OTAs and no mini camp, so that's 15 practices that you typically use to install everything. They're doing that right now. They are, I mean, I know they had their virtual sessions, but they are installing on the field for the first time. And I think my perception is that the coaches really want to make sure that the top-of-the-line guys that are going to be playing in the season know their stuff because they are getting so much more opportunity than the down-the-line guys. There's just – the season's already – I mean, shoot, it's like two and a half weeks away. They don't have time to be seeing what they have in Rondell Carter. They need to get – the big names out there learning their stuff. So to that point, I mean, it would be Francis Bernard for me just because he's made the most of those opportunities. Um, I struggle to think of any other like undrafted guys that have really gotten a chance to do a lot of stuff, to be honest with you. 42 gets the ball a lot. Is that Rico? Maybe. I don't know how to say his name, but Rico Dowdle. Dabble from South Carolina. He gets the ball a lot. He's not doing a whole lot with it. I don't, you know, but, but, you know, to your point, Dave, um, where they've had four practices so far. I mean, I, I think they've had yeah. four. When you go back to the two weeks after the draft, or it used to be one week after the draft, the rookies, rookie free agents get, I mean, all the rookies get a mini camp of three days. You know, that's just by themselves, rookie mini camp, so they get three practices under their belt. Here we are in the middle of August, and there are, they're sitting at four right now. So, you know, the, the, they should have had way, way more time than this. So, yeah, it makes sense that, you know, they're not going to get it in, in two or three weeks. So, I, CD will, but that's it. I, you know, we can't, yeah. have, we can't have our eyes everywhere all the time, so there's a good chance that I've missed something. But I swear... People have been blowing me up about Bradley and I, and I understand why. You know, he's an exciting draft pick. I, with my own eyes, have not seen him take a pass rush snap in a 11-on-11 setting. I'm sure he has done it once or twice, but he ain't getting in there a lot because they're deferring to the veterans to try to get them up to speed. At least that's what it looks like to me. And Reggie frankly, Robinson. Something... Go ahead. Go ahead, Nick. I said Reggie Robinson got a few snaps, and we, we noticed it because he was getting beat, you know, like down the field. So, you know, I mean, it, you know, we got asked about it on a mailbag, like, where's Reggie Robinson? And it's like, well, you know, he's just he's just trying to learn. And it's like, well, there he is. I don't know if that's a good thing, but, you know, I mean, it's just it's these guys' heads are spinning right now. You know it. And, frankly, this has been talked about around the league. I think every team is looking at the same thing and saying, you know, it's, it's going to be very difficult to, re, to get time or to allocate time for rookies, let alone rookie free agents, um, for them to really be able to work in and figure out what's going on and get up to speed enough to be able to play week one when you have a condensed training camp, no offseason. 
Uh, it just it's it's almost impossible. And so it is a year when veterans are actually going to be at a premium. And I'm I'm interested to see what happens here when when teams have to cut. Are there going to be some draft picks that normally would not get cut that teams feel like they got to part ways with because they just didn't see them and they got to keep some of those veterans? I want to see how this all plays out because I do think veterans are in a very very precarious situation. Which, again, that plays into why somebody like Mike McCarthy doesn't want us videoing and tweeting about his team because odds are he's not going to have a great idea of what he's letting go of when it comes time to cut the roster down. Yep, It's going to be tough. But a position that we haven't really talked about but we've learned that is very, very important on the team is kicker. How has the kicker been doing so far? I believe he's perfect. He's perfect. But that's, he's only, he's kicked one time. It's, it, the differences, you know, we're, we're still getting used to it, but like you can tell the differences in the way that these coaching staffs do stuff. You know, special teams under, under McCarthy and John Fossil, it dominates. It's like the first 30 minutes of practice is all special teams work. But that's, you know, that's blocking and assignments and, and stuff like that. Greg Zerline has only kicked field goals one time in four practices, and I think his long was 43, so they're not even asking him to do super long-range stuff. So uh, he, he looks all right to me. They haven't done a lot with him, but And let's no be complaints. clear, that, that means you, that, that may only be the kicks that he's doing in front of us. There are other fields, yes. so he could be working. True. Like if the team is working indoors, he could be working outside kicking. I don't want Very fans true. to get the idea that he's sitting on his, just kind of sitting in the locker room doing right. nothing. I think I think he's probably kicking. It's just in different location than when the media is. Right. Okay. Thoughts on Drew Pearson? We haven't really talked about him, but he he's gotten some big news uh, yesterday. Thoughts on on him getting a step closer to Canton? I'm, I'm, I'll take this one. I'm really excited uh, about it. I know that doesn't necessarily mean he's in, but I think the writing's on the wall there that with he, him being the only senior um, uh, addition there for the, from the seniors committee, um, I think it's going to happen. I don't usually at this point either they don't not get in. So, uh, you know, yes, everyone remembers the, the video and he was upset and rightfully so. I mean, he, he, he deserves it, and I'll, I'll say this. Everyone can have their own opinion. I've said this a thousand times. I'll say it again, though. When you think about the history of the Dallas Cowboys and the memorable moments, we, memorable games, Hail Mary, the Clint Longley game, even Dorsett's 99-yard run, the you know game against the Falcons in the playoff when Danny White came back, Drew Pearson's in there for all of it. He is the history of this team. He's the, he's, he started number 88. Uh, and he's the only offensive player that in the decade of the 1970s, all-decade team, not in the Hall of Fame. Long overdue. It needs to happen. And it sounds like it will. Yeah, that you know video last no. year was heartbreaking. And, and I, I honestly, I just, I just want to see the right thing be done here. Like you said, Nick, I think he certainly is deserving. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think he had every expectation that last year, with the increased number of guys that were going to be going in to celebrate the, the NFL anniversary, I think he rightfully thought he would be a part of that, and he wasn't. Yeah. And I, I just, I hated that for him. I hated to see him go through that. I think the NFL needs to do right by him, and he think he needs to be in the uh, in the Hall of Fame. It's weird to say, but 
I kind of think the video might be why this happened. Honestly, um, you know, it, it yes. kind of went it kind of went viral, at least you know among NFL fans and media. And I think a lot of people saw that. You know, not everybody pays as close attention to the Cowboys as we do. I think a lot of people were like, "Wait a second, Drew Pearson's not in the Hall of Fame? Like, are we serious mm-hmm. right now?" And I think I think that probably gave him a groundswell of support that maybe he didn't have before. So I mean, I hate it for yeah. him. It sucks that that had to happen, but. In a weird way, I think that video kind of maybe put this on the map. You know, you, you guys remember a linebacker that played with Lawrence Taylor's name was Harry Carson. He played for the Giants yep. for a long time. He was a finalist, in the, like in the final 15, eight years in a row and didn't make it. And he said, do not put my name in here again. I'm removing my name. I'm out. It, it's just not happening. He got in next year. That Next year he got in. So I don't know. Maybe that, that just has to happen. Sometimes people yeah, need I mean, a wake-up call. And, yeah, and I know sometimes there are probably extenuating circumstances. None of us is in the room when they're making those decisions, so I don't want to kill those guys too much. But I just think at this, at this rate, like you said, Nick, if you want to talk about the history of the Dallas Cowboys, and the Cowboys are a very history franchise, a uh, franchise that is probably one of the most in the NFL, one of the most storied franchises in the NFL, and so many of those stories have Drew Pearson being a part of them. There's no reason. Like you, you hear that that phrase all the time. Can you tell the story of whatever without whoever? Right. Well, I don't think you can tell the story of the Dallas no. Cowboys without Drew Pearson being a part of it. Which means, and he has the production on top of that. I think he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and you can't just look That's at numbers because n- numbers like when the guys in the '70s, the way the passing game was, 14 game schedules. It's not the same. Keenan McCardell has more stats than, than Drew Pearson. It, it's not the, the way it is. It, it, it's just what, how he meant, what he meant to the team, the organization, and that success. He's definitely deserving. So it looks like it's going to happen. All right. We appreciate you guys joining us. Thanks, Amber, for getting all the questions. Thanks for all you guys who actually sent questions. We appreciate you taking some time with us. We'll be back next Wednesday, 11 a.m., for more from the break. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I am Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!